I, I'm I, as much as I disparage a lot of our political leaders. The last thing in the world that any of us should be to kill them. So, yeah. I want. On Thursday, it'll be much lower, but they always say that. It's going to be tons and tons of rain. We just had a hurricane here last week. So we're very, yeah, there's, there's, anyway, so that's, that's, God bless the people that rode that thing out. But I want to go back to Afghanistan. And I, Thursday we were doing the show, we found out about the 13 service members that were killed at the Abbey Gate. And I'm fussing with And I, I don't, I don't think it's a darkness. I just think it's, I worked, I've told you before, when I was a young man, I worked with a lot of death and destruction, a lot of death, highway patrol, drove an ambulance, all that stuff. And um, so I've seen the worst of the worst. And I, I don't know if there's something there, but I was, I found out that one of the 13, and this is unfair to the other 12. And by the way, we're spending a lot of time on the 13. What about the 2,500 members of the military who were killed in Afghanistan over the last 20 years? We just, they, 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 I'm not even sure. They, they didn't make headlines. I'm not even sure if they made uh, a footnote. So all that is very unfair. But I have to tell you, I saw where this one young lady, um, her name is Nicole G. She just recently got promoted to sergeant in the Marine Corps. And I saw where she was from, a suburb of uh, Sacramento, where I worked for many, many years, from Roseville, California. And then I saw where she was a graduate of the same high school where my boys went to high school. And so I started reading about her, and there was a link to her Instagram page. And I started looking at her Instagram page. And it's, I, I got to tell you, um, just so beyond sad. It, she is a beautiful young lady, 23, married a few years, appeared by all to love her husband dearly who also is in the Marine Corps. And I just look at this and I watch. Uh, the thing about Instagram is it's basically um, this is your life. It, she she was like a lot of young people. She really laid I don't do squat on my Instagram page. She laid out her life as a young woman. And she was enjoying doing what a lot of young women do. Some goofy stuff, some pretty stuff, some some.
stuffs them. I mean, it was it was just a nice depiction of the person's life. It raised, joined the Marine Corps, um, right up to the last photo that she has. Uh, Dan, she had to a lot. At Kabul, and the one before that is the one that got a lot of uh, press because of her looking down. At me. It's a very sweet thing. and captioned it with "of my." You just, you know, my were. I mean, there were funny ones. She was on photo of her on a camel, um, a photo of her and a bunch of her young fellow, I guess their fellow Marine Corps uh, women that were all in a bunch of bikinis at some beach somewhere. I mean, it's, it's just a little bit of everything. And you go, nobody joins the military with a desire for a death sentence. Nobody does. And you can see through her Instagram photos, she was loving life. A lot of family photos. She loved her family. You can tell. But everybody that raises their hand and goes into the military knows, just like police officers do, it's possible that you might wind up getting killed. But... The possibilities, when you're one of 1.6 million members of the military, you go, yeah, okay, yeah, I I know. Okay, now, what are we doing uh, this Saturday night? She was living her life. So because of where she was from and because of where she went to school, um, I just went down a rabbit hole just reading and watching about her life. And the, and the post that she made just last week, last Monday, she is posting on Instagram as if she's got the world, the future of her life ahead of her. She knew all about August 31st was the last day, and I presu- I'm going to take a wild guess that she probably thought uh, she was counting down the days. It's hot, and it's chaotic, and there's threats and all of that, but I'm sure she was hoping to be on a plane uh, tonight or tomorrow, heading home. Instead, she was on a plane that arrived at Dover Air Force Base in a casket yesterday. I mean... I don't know what you can say about that. The president was there. The secretary of state was there. All of that. But there is a C-17 with 13 caskets with American flags on them uh, that that arrived in Dover yesterday, and they had that uh, very, very somber ceremony. 
um, all the pundit writes about it. Apparently, some of the family members of the 13 were there at Dover. Some of them couldn't make it. Some of them went. Some did not want to go. And apparently, it did not go well for some of the relatives, which you don't, you, you can't, you can't blame them. They're blaming, they're blaming Biden. So we'll get into all of that as we move along through the program today. The phone number to join the program is 855-295-6600. My heart goes out to the 13. It actually goes out to the 2,500 that died in the last 20 years. But I don't know why this young lady, Nicole G, I worked with a guy named G years ago. I wonder if her relative. My heart just went out to her. Unpredictable. Unprecedented. Undeniable. Tom Sullivan. So, um, sorry, we apparently had some some um, some little technical glitch going on there. So, yeah, this this uh, this whole thing. Yesterday, uh, Ella Pundit wrote about it, saying that yesterday at Dover, it was the grimmest duty that a president has, and um, apparently, I mean, you can't. You can't work. There's no words to to ease the pain of a parent or a widow or widower of a soldier who was killed. But they're saying because of the fact it's been a botched retreat, they're blaming him. And um, while the ceremony was going on, you could hear loud sobbing. One woman ended up collapsing in the middle of this. Um. Riley McCollum, one of the Marines killed, according to the Washington Post, the family attended the Dover ceremony, but they could not bear to greet President Biden. One family member dead. This is um, the Washington Post. One of McCollum's sisters, Royce, said she and her sister and her father Join McCollum's wife, Janiah McCollum, on the trip. But when it came time to meet the president, they left the room because she said they did not want to speak with the man they held responsible for McCollum's death. Only Gianna, I believe is the way you pronounce it, who was expecting the couple's child in a couple of weeks, she stayed. So here's this young woman, eight months plus pregnant. But she left disappointed. The president brought up his son, Bo, according to her account, describing his son's military service and subsequent death from cancer. It struck the family as scripted and shallow, a conversation that lasted only a couple of minutes, as Royce said, in total disregard to the loss of our Marine. Royce said of the president, you can't F up as bad as he did and say you're sorry. This just did not need to happen, and every life is on his hands. 
So it didn't go well. There's also, I could retweet this thing. Um, Biden is standing there, and they hold the, you know, the, the military saluted, and he held his hand over his heart as the casket would go by, being carried. And as he put his hand down, he quickly pushed his hand out to reach up and to check it, to check his watch. He was checking his watch to see how, see what the time was. How long is this thing going to keep going? So it's pretty brutal. The whole thing is brutal. 855-295-6600. Jim in Missouri. Hello, Jim. Thank you for calling. Hey, Tom. Listen, uh, hi. I just want to I just want to send out my condolences to all the families of the service members that uh, that perished and that they gave up their lives. But I've been infuriated all weekend. Okay, this did not need to happen. Okay, I'm not putting all the blame on Biden or anything like that. But I got to tell you that, you know, it's all well and good to be standing there handing candy out and acting like it's just one big uh, humanitarian experience, but it's not. Okay, somebody needs to be responsible for the way all those people were positioned. I mean, you can't tell, uh, you know, uh, a, a terrorist bomber from a from a student who's trying to get in there. They're all acting like yeah. TSA agents, and it was a red, uh, just a recipe for disaster. Some second lieutenant, somebody needs to be held responsible for the way those people were positioned. They shouldn't have died. Pull them back. I mean, you, you, there's too many people just coming in there. You don't know. Who, it, it was just a recipe for disaster. I've been infuriated all weekend. It was just, to me, it was just a waste of their young lives, and I feel terrible about it. I I don't know why, Jim. Um, I, I've, been, I've been not obsessed, but I am deeply upset as well. And, and it, just, it just focused my mind all weekend long about it. How could they have screwed this up so badly? I don't know upset, how they I mean you get you you get control very quickly and and make sure that you have defensive positions. I've been watching video of of uh a lot of the you know video from the outside the gate and everything else. You see a lot of our the Marines were standing in clusters. I I I don't know. Battlefield 101, that's a big no-no, but I'm with you, Jim. I hear you loud and clear. Connect and engage with Tom Sullivan on air, online, on demand. likes it when you talk back. Tom Sullivan. I do indeed. Uh, welcome to the program on the um, on this Monday. I was just trying to find the uh, the, the Twitter, uh, the tweet of Ron Klain. Apparently, um, General McKenzie in charge of CENTCOM. He's nice and safe in Tampa, Florida. That's where CENTCOM is headquartered. I don't know why it's not headquartered over near the battlefield, but anyway, apparently that we have, um, we negotiated, McKenzie was negotiating with the head Taliban guy, and 
McKenzie told the head Taliban guy, we, if we're going to evacuate, we're going to get out of your hair. Uh, but we need the airport to do that because they had shut down Bagram. So they needed, they needed the airport. And the head Taliban guy said, okay, then um, if you're going to do that, then you've got control of the city. McKenzie apparently said, no, 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 no. We're not going to patrol the city. We're not going to take control of the city. We just need the airport. And so the Taliban said, well, if you're going to do that, then we will control the city. And everybody went, okay. And Ron Klain, the chief of staff to the president, is confirming this. I, um, they literally said, okay, you got the Taliban, you take control of the city. And look what it's led to. People can't get to the, to the airport. This is, this is just getting more bizarre as we go along. 855-295-6600. Jake Sullivan, let's do cut one. Jake Sullivan, the uh, national security advisor, said closing Bagram was the correct move. Listen. On the tactical decision of which is the right airport to have for an evacuation, of course any responsible president would give significant weight to the advice of the commanders on the ground, and their advice was to close Bagram and focus on Kabul. That is, um, see, this is how you tell a lie, is you put a little element of truth in there. And then, but that is not right. The, the, the reporting is coming in clearly that the president said you can, he capped the number of troops and said you need to, you cannot have more than 2,500 troops. But we need more than that to take care of Bagram and the embassy. And he said, you got 2,500 troops. You do with it what you want. So they decided among themselves, the military said, okay, we will protect the embassy. And we, will, we don't have enough people for, the, for Bagram, so we'll close it. Now, Bagram, Jake Sullivan says that was the correct move. There were 5,000 terrorist prisoners in jail on, on the base in Bagram. They let them all, the, the Taliban let them all out. Probably those were the people that killed our 13 service members, were let out when they closed Bagram. Not only did Bagram, you hear about Bagram was so important because up until they closed Bagram, the Taliban was making noises, but they hadn't taken control of uh, other than the far reaches of Afghanistan. Once they closed Bagram, Taliban leaders must have looked at each other and went, this is great. There's no, we don't have to worry about something coming in over our heads. They're not going to fire missiles at us. They're not going to do any of that. This is great. And that, the, I mean, the day after they closed Bagram is when the news started coming in about the Taliban has seized this province, this provincial capital, and then that provincial capital, and the next day a couple of more. It was because they knew they could not, they could operate freely without the air power of the U.S. overhead. So, so two things. One is it gave the Taliban a, a card to a free pass to go conquer all these provinces. Nobody will get in their way. 
the Afghan military laid down and quit because they realized, wow, that was crucial to our success. And then the 5,000 prisoners are let out, which are terrorists. And Jake Sullivan says that was the correct move. It wasn't the it wasn't the military advising the president to do that. It was the president told them you cannot have more than two thousand five hundred troops, and that's not enough to run Bagram. So they had to live by whatever Biden told them to live by. Here's uh, Carl. We're not giving his full name out. He's an Afghan interpreter. That called in today to say he knows he's in danger, but wants help. Cut to. Uh, cut I know two. that I'm going to be left behind. I know that for sure. I know that I'm going to get killed. I, but the good thing is that I'm not going to die for a bad thing. I'm going to die for a good thing. What I did, I will never regret it because I have tried to help people. He knows he's going to die. He knows he's going to die. And yet that's what he's doing. Um, let's do another Jake Sullivan in here. This is him saying the president has taken responsibility for closing Broadway. So you've heard the president take ultimate responsibility for every decision he's made as commander-in-chief. He has expressly said the buck stops with him. But let's be real about Bagram. Any responsible president would give significant weight to the advice of the commanders on the ground, and their advice was to close Bagram and focus on Kabul. It's not the whole story. It just isn't the whole story. And here's General Miley, uh, cut six, answering a question. This is last, um, eh, let me get you the date on this thing. General Milley, August 18th, was asked a question, and he was, I mean, squirming when he answered the question about shutting down Bagram. Bagram has two runways. It would have been a lot easier to protect people once inside. Is there any thought of retaking Bagram in order to expedite this evacuation? And if not, why not? Um, I won't. Good question. Great question. But I'm not going to discuss branches and sequels off of our current operation. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to answer that question. Here's Carl Rove responding to what General Milley just said. Cut seven. I don't think it plays out well because the administration, the president, has made decisions uh, that the military obviously disagrees with. They've got to execute them. He's the commander in chief. But look, the, the policy making process at the White House is broken. Uh, after my article on Thursday, the White House went out this past weekend and said, well, you know, we had what are called 10 deputies meetings and we had X number of meetings of the cabinet and so forth about this decision, which, you know, sort of like we've had like 15 meetings. 
Well, this has been going on for months. The president made his announcement about withdrawal in April. So we're talking about they've had over the period of like, say, six months, they've had 10 deputies meetings to discuss this kind of thing. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's not the kind of attention. That's not the kind of, uh, you know, purposeful uh, meeting of the government to go through these tough decisions. And obviously, they, they didn't make these, they didn't uh, go d dig in depth on this. Think about the, think about three simple things. Bagram was the center of the air support for the Afghan government, which is what kept the Taliban in check. When we ended our air operations and withdrew yeah. from Bagram, we removed a big block to the, uh, to, the, uh, to the Taliban rushing through the country. Second of all, it was a center for intelligence collection. You remove that place that was really essential to that, and you're going to have a diminution of the amount of intelligence you get. And finally, morale. When we abandoned Bagram, we did so overnight without letting a single Afghan who was guarding that base know that we were leaving. And what do you think the morale did? What, the, what do you think that did to morale among the Afghan fighting forces and the Afghan government? I mean, the, the, the previous administration had an agreement. Mm -hmm. That agreement was already being violated by the Taliban. Yeah. The, the three times. All right. We're going to hit a short break and be right back. Some of Don't you go get pretty vicious. The problem is you've got to find somebody that cares. Tom Sullivan. So, by the way, um, it's 349 on the East Coast right now. The deadline for out of Afghanistan is at 329. So we just passed uh, the 24-hour mark. So 24 hours from now, 329 p.m. Eastern time, tomorrow is midnight, 1159 p.m. in Afghanistan. So whatever they're doing right now is whatever they're this this is it. I mean they're down they're down to brass tacks here. I presume they have um troops they had five thousand five hundred troops, something like that there. So we I've I've been watching today and there's there's C seventeens. The British left a couple of hours ago with an A330, it's a pretty good size airplane. And they said they were out last week, but they're they're still flying today. I don't know who's on board. So tomorrow at 329 Eastern, 1229 Pacific, and everything in between is our deadline for leaving Afghanistan. I'm puzzled by they keep talking about, oh no, 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 no. Once once we leave I mean, we won't have a military presence there, but we're going to continue to have um, uh, abilities to uh, help people leave at one. And what, what unreal world are you living in? That's that's our Secretary of State Tony Blinken. And then back to Jake Sullivan, who seems he doesn't come across like he comes across like an Ivy League think tank guy. It doesn't has never gotten dirt under his fingernails ever. So they asked him about what happens from here, and he said we should be aware 
of future attacks in the area. We have to be attuned to the possibility that uh, ISIS-K or any other group within Afghanistan would look to extend its reach beyond Afghanistan itself. The intelligence community has briefed us over time that their current capability to threaten the homeland is not there, but that is a capability that they are seeking, and we will continue to pay close attention to that. How are you going to pay close attention to that? How are you going to pay? Well, I mean, I guess you could have some super sleuth CIA people in there. General Jack Keane heard what Jake Sullivan just said, and this is his reaction. Well, he just provided the justification for why we should have kept the modest force inside Afghanistan, which is what the military and intelligence services have been saying all along, that there's an al-Qaeda presence. The U.N. reports as much as 15 provinces have al-Qaeda in it. ISIS-K also is there, somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,500 to 2,000 before they got about another 1,000 uh, released from uh, the detention centers that the Taliban opened up. And clearly, al-Qaeda has aspirations to attack America, always has. ISIS-K obviously has aspirations greater than uh, Afghanistan. That's why they have fundamental disagreements with the Afghan Taliban. I don't think they have the wherewithal yet to be able to conduct an attack against America, but why would we permit them to acquire it? Mm -hmm. That is why we wanted to keep the modest force there. Remember, our, our CIA bases were focused on these organizations, al-Qaeda and ISIS. That was their primary focus as an intelligence capability. And that intelligence capability, believe me, has been very successful in striking down al-Qaeda and permitting them to rise up. And, and establish that safe haven and be a threat to the United States. We've killed multiple levels of their leaders. Obviously, Osama bin Laden, the most notable, but also their successive leaders, one after the other. That presence that we've had there has been our guarantor that it's our insurance policy that America would not be attacked again. He just gave the argument for why we should stay. That's stunning. Yeah. So he goes on, he says, hey, uh, this whole thing about Bagram and who shut it down, uh, was it the president or was it the military? And Jack Keane says a lot of blame is being thrown around. There's a lot of blame game going on here, as you correctly identified. And it's, and it's sad to see, but, and it's all driven by the fact that, that we have had significant failure here. And, and it's undeniable, and the American people certainly are very, very much aware of it. Um, but what happened, clearly, we've seen the Biden administration blame the intelligence services for not telling them that the, the Taliban could very rapidly take over Afghanistan. The intelligence services obviously anonymously leaking to the contrary. Now they're blaming uh, the military about Bagram Airfield and security numbers. The military went to the administration in May and said, we're prepared to begin the evacuation of American citizens and our Afghan partners. Obviously, Bagram Airfield would be used for that. The State Department rejected that recommendation. The military then focused on, mm. on leaving. The 600 number that you brought up, Bill, mm -hmm. has to do with the security forces for the embassy. They were going right. to draw down, but not completely, making certain that there was adequate security for, for the embassy. Those were the choices that they were dealing with at the time. So everybody's blaming everybody. So we're down to the, the final strokes. Right now, I mean, they've got to get over 5,000-some 
military members out. We know that there are still citizens there, American citizens, plus a lot of the people who helped our military in that country that are stuck. And don't forget, we gave the Taliban the names of all the people that are the citizens in country and the names of all the Afghans who helped us uh, so they could, wink, wink, get through the gates. No, now they have their names and addresses. They can just go door to door and kill them. I won't be surprised if that isn't what happens starting tomorrow night. 855-295-6600. Oh, no, it's Mo. Hello, Mo. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. Uh, uh, it's been a while since we've spoken. Say, I, I yeah. just want to comment on, on a tape that you just played, a, a quote from uh, Tony What's-His-Face, uh, who indicated that the uh, Taliban do not currently have the, the means to attack us. And I am certain, absolutely certain, that if you had asked him the same question on September 10th, before 9-11, that he would have said the exact same thing. That's why they're called su surprise attacks. Uh, it, it amazes me that these people are so friggin' stupid uh, to think that we are immune somehow from Al-Qaeda or, or uh, ISIS or whatever. Uh, nobody anticipated that they would make missiles out of airplanes, uh, and, and uh, this guy's telling us that we're, we're ahead of them. Makes no sense. Yeah. Mo, I, it just it does seem like everybody that is in charge of making decisions or advising the president or the president himself do seem extraordinarily clueless. But I've got to leave it at that. Good to hear from you. Been a while. We'll take a short break and come back. We've got much more to talk about. Stick around.